We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me in Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. And your presence is abundant joy. At the end of your, at your right hand are eternal pleasures. Thank you, Crystal. This is God's word. Father, we ask that you would speak to us this morning through your word. Lord, that we would be transformed by you. Not because we try harder when we leave this place, but because your spirit is present among us. Because your word truth and it illuminates our minds and our hearts that we would see more clearly our role in this world and our place within you and we ask this in Jesus name so when you guys do a little thought experiment with me okay we're going to imagine we're going to use our imaginations so let's imagine that we're 20 years into the future and Since that time, that time between today and 20 years from today, here's what's transpired. For some reason that no scientist, CDC, or World Health Organization could understand, we haven't been able to reproduce. There has not been another child born into the world, anywhere throughout the world. And that's caused all kinds of concern and fear and social turmoil. And in fact, most societies have started to collapse. And in the few remaining cities where there's some kind of social safety there, everybody's trying to get in, right? And, and what you find even in that place is there's not really rest. People are at war with one another. There's fighting. There's battles. It's national militaries and also militias at war with one another. The last born person in the world who had just turned 18 uh, was a celebrity. Everyone wanted to know everything about what was going on in his life because he was the youngest person in the world and he had just been killed. So just a, a total devastation, loss felt throughout the whole world. And in one area in particular where there's fighting going on and there's grenades being thrown and there's guns being shot, suddenly one soldier hears the cry of a baby and turns to see a little refugee.
refugee girl being escorted by a man. She has a baby in her arms. And he suddenly stops and puts down his weapon. And then the next soldier sees and hears, and, and he can't help but to just drop his weapons where he is and fall to the floor. And they continue walking through, trying to get to safety, trying to get to their route through this crazy battle scene going on. And everyone who was at war just suddenly stops. And their eyes are glued on the wonder of this little baby. This is a scene from a 2006 movie called Children of Men. It's a fantastic movie. That scene in particular is incredible. I do not recommend watching it with your children, however. Great movie. What happened in that moment was these people who were fighting for something, it could have been survival or who knows what, suddenly all that fell to the side when they got a glimpse of something more beautiful. Something so incredible that all the rest of that just kind of fell away. And I share that because it's kind of like what the people of Israel needed. It's kind of like what, what God's people needed when they would turn to the Psalms. That being exiled from their homeland, being attacked by all these other nations, fighting one another in civil war, these were all realities of God's people, Israel. And yet, they needed to turn and look to something more captivating, more beautiful, the wonder and amazement of a God who had not given up on them. But I also share because I think it's exactly what we need today, too. Missio of God in Phoenix in this year, that we've had all kinds of crazy things happen. As, as many of you said, even just in sharing right now, we've had a tough couple years. This church has, our city has, our nation has, the whole world has experienced a lot of hard things. And a lot of times what that does is that causes tension and division and fighting amongst ourselves. That suddenly, in that, in that fear, and that sense of survival, you start grasping onto whatever you can and, and pushing away whoever's getting in the way. So even within a church body, you can start to see some of that take place. And what we need, what we need is for all that just to fall away like it doesn't matter because we are fixing our eyes on something so much more beautiful, so much more powerful, something so much more captivating. That's what I want to invite us into this morning as we look at Psalm 16. But if you would uh, just humor me for a moment, if you would allow me to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to step away from Psalm 16 in a sense for a moment and talk through just some things I feel like God has been speaking to me as I've been in prayer. And then we're going to jump back into Psalm 16 and I think we're going to find all those things are found in him in his text. So I want to write down just three words that, as I was the other day praying with some other pastors from Missio, as I shared that we, we have a shared leadership and the, some pastors from Missio de Mesa, as well as Missio de Tempe, as well as a church that we help plant, um, I say we loosely as in Missio, I had no part in it, uh, in New Jersey. And so uh, that pastor there flew out as well. And we had a little two-day in-town retreat in Gilbert, and we were just praying, like, what is it that we want to see God do in our congregations, in each of our four congregations? 
more importantly, what do we think God wants? So I just wrote down three words for them. And in typical pastoral fashion, they are alliterative words. But I'm going to take them one at a time with you. The first word I wrote down was power. That I want to see power in this church. And I'm going to explain what that means in a second. I think that's what God desires to see. Place. And I'm not going to do a Venn diagram this time, I promise. Even though there are three, I know, you were waiting for it too. Even though there are three words. Place. And then presence. Here's what I mean by all this. Power. I think when we actually read from Psalm 16, we hear about God's power on display. When we get a hold of what God has done in the world, just the way that the universe works, and and then the way that your body works, the way that you take breath into your lungs, the way your brain is firing off all these synapses to control your nervous system, and that's a powerful thing. But you know what typically happens is we get very short-sighted in our lives, in our culture, and we start looking at all these weaker things as if they're powerful. So which political party is in power, right? Uh, what, what kind of vehicle do I have for my kid to ride in so that it's the safest? What, what's happening with my job and who my boss is and who's in control there? Maybe you're struggling for power in your own home with your spouse. Who's calling the shots, right? And we we start looking at all these things that could maybe give us more power because when we feel like someone else has power over us, that's not comfortable, is it? So maybe it's I I need more money. Maybe it's I need more notoriety at work. I need more success. And we start grasping for power. And I think a lot of times, even if power is not even in our minds, We don't even know. We fooled ourselves into trying to live our lives in our own power. Let me give you another word. Maybe it sounds a little more Christianese. You've heard this before. In our own strength, right? That's all I'm saying. Whose strength are we relying on? Just to make it through the day. Whose power is on display in our lives? This is why I asked that question in Evidences of Grace. How have you seen God's power at work in your life? And here's, I'm going to say this. I want you to hear I say it with love. It's a challenge to myself as well. If that question is asked, how have you seen God's power at work in your life, and you're drawing a blank, what I want to challenge us with is, is it possible that you are trying to live your life in your own power, in your own strength? That you have structured your whole life around your plans and what you can do, and you have blocked out, you just like stiff-armed the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and show what he does. We don't see the power of God at work because we only stick to the safe things that we know we can accomplish. I used to have a friend who would say like he would only play games that he knows he can win, right? You guys heard that before? If if there's a chance, I'm not going to be the champion in this, then I'm not even going to do it. And I think a lot of times, don't we live our lives like that? If there's something unknown 
unfamiliar, a little bit scary in that territory. Like, I'm going to stay away from that. I'm going to stick in my lane so that I could feel like I'm in control here. But what I was just feeling the Spirit say to me in this time of prayer is this body right here, this community right here, needs to be a community of people who sees the power of Christ at work in us. But not only that, who displays the power of the Spirit of God to the world around us. That when people look at this little community here, they don't just see, oh, those are some nice people, right? Oh, that, that, it's kind of fun to maybe hang out with them when they have a neighborhood barbecue, right? I, you know, I, I liked their Sunday service because it was smaller and I felt lost in my last church I went to. Like, that's fine. All those things are fine. But when people see us, that they are actually seeing, holy cow, there's something happening here. And I can't explain it. It can't happen with a typical group this size. What is God doing? That's my prayer, is that we would become a people who display the power of the Spirit of God to the world around us. And in that, that that power being displayed would lead us to this. We just went through a lot of Israel's story, and we spent a week looking at the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was telling them, hey, you guys have been disobedient and you've been worshiping the gods of Babylon. So you know what God's doing? He's allowing Babylon to come in and take you captive. He's going to bring, that king of Babylon is going to bring many of you out from your home and bring you as exiles into Babylon. And this is what God says to do. When you get there to Babylon, pray for the welfare of that place. Seek the benefit of that place. Build parks and gardens in that place. This, temporary though it may be, like it or not, will be your home. Phoenix is a transient city. We got a lot of people coming from Pacific Northwest who we love. Glad you're here. We got a lot of people moving away after they experience their first summer, right? I've been here my whole life. I'm a native here. And seriously, every summer, I still, I'm like, God, are you calling me? Maybe Colorado, maybe Hawaii. I don't know. And he hasn't yet. He's made this my place. But he's also given me a love for that. A couple weeks ago when you guys were um, honoring me on my birthday, thank you for that. Uh, one of the gifts Tim brought up was a hat that said AZ on it with a cactus. And that was honestly like one of the coolest moments for me. To go like, oh yeah, God has, I've, I've always said, God has placed me here for a reason. And I, I used to hate that. <laughs> I used to be like, man, there's so many other cooler places. I had a job where I traveled around speaking at schools all over the country. And I saw some really cool parts of the country. I was like, God, do you think maybe we could do this here? No, no, no. He had me rooted here. But then he started over time to develop a love for that, right? I love Arizona. I love Phoenix, the city he's placed me in. And so I thought I was crazy. <laughs> so just something simple like that, that little gift was like, okay, yeah, this, this is a good thing. This is a beautiful thing. To be firmly planted where God has placed you, and not only to be planted there to find what's good for you. Like how often when we're looking for a house, 
we're looking for what's the best house for my buck? What's the, the most spacious house I can get for my family? What's the safest part of the neighborhood for my family? What's closest to my job? And it's all about how is this going to serve me, right? Instead of asking the question, God, where are you placing me? Where do you want to plant me? And when I'm living there, how can you use me to seek the welfare of this neighborhood? Seek the benefit of this community? So that actually my, my physical being here, whether I love this place or not, God, would you teach me to love it? So that it would become a place that knows about your power, that sees your power on display and begins to become transformed. How could Israel as exiles do that in Babylon when they were being oppressed, when they were being stomped on? Only by the power of God. How can you do that in your neighborhood when your neighbors won't even talk to you or they're yelling at you because something's hanging over their fence? Only by the power of God. The power of God that fills us puts us in a certain place for a reason. So I want us to hear this. You are exactly where God wants you for this season of life. It's not to say you can't ever move, you can't ever go find another job, you can't ever, right here and right now, you are exactly where God wants you for this season. He has a purpose for that. He desires that you would partner with his power, with his spirit, in order to be placemakers. To be people who cultivate the garden that he's planted you in. Just in the beginning, when he set the first humans there, the first man and woman, care for, tend to this garden, cultivate it, and help expand it. Phoenix is our garden. Very deserty, prickly, thorny, hot garden. But it's our garden. And we are called not just to be passive people who stay here for a time. We're called to be caretakers, cultivators, creators, placemakers. Finally, here's my prayer, is that as we do that, but as we do that, that we would, by the power of God, be invested in this place for a long now, what I mean by that is not that each of you have to commit over the next 10 years <laughs> to be part of this year. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, that as you live faithfully present in this place during this season God has you here, what that would do is it would create a foundation and build on the idea that Missio itself would be a community of people who have a faithful presence in Phoenix for years to come. Like my, I've told many of you this, my, one of my, delights, my desires, the thing I want and I ask God for is like, I would love to be able to do your kids' weddings one day. All these little kids that are running around here. I'd love to be able to do their weddings one day. I would love to be able to like raise up other younger leaders and then just like take a back seat, you know, but to be a part of this family for a long season. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who has passed away now, but tremendous, uh, has done a lot of tremendous work in the scripture and in pastoring people, says this, that we are called to a long, faithful obedience in the same direction. And that is super countercultural for us. 
Like what we're looking for in society is the flash in the pan. What's got the biggest bang, right? What's like the coolest, biggest, flashiest thing? And we're drawn to that. And usually, just like fireworks with the big bang, that fizzles out quickly. So then we're on to the next thing. What if what God's calling us to is a much smaller, slower, steady, faithful, steadfast like God is, patient, persistent, long, faithful obedience in the same direction, being present here in this city, being present in this community, being present, and a presence that invites others in so that when they enter in, they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. They see the power of the Spirit on display, and they're welcomed into this place. Psalm 16. I don't want to just pull all these out of my head. I don't want to just like, hey guys, here's three Ps I think sound really cool. Admit to it with me now. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. That's a recognition. You have no power, no strength, nothing worth a thing outside of God. James 1.17 says it this way. It says that every single good thing is a gift from above from our Father in heaven. There's, there's nothing good outside of him in his presence. As for the holy people who are in the land, here's our place, right? He locates them. We're in the land. Why? Because God had given them a land. He promised them an actual place where they could have a home. And he brought them into that faithfully. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood. I will not speak their names with my lips. I know that sounds a little weird and confusing. This is what he's saying. The people who are in this place that you've made a home for us, God, who are looking to you, who are trusting in you, they're called the righteous. Who are looking to your power, to your strength. They are the ones who I delight in. But then there's people who aren't looking to you. They're trying to find their strength in something else. They're, they're like getting whiplash, looking from the left to the right at the next big flashy thing. I'm not going to walk down that road. There's nothing good found there. Lord, you are my portion, verse 5 and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Listen again, that's, that's locating, right? Geolocating itself. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Not only did God prepare a place for the Israelites in the land of Canaan, the promised land he brought them into, but Jesus tells us he is preparing a place for us who trust in him. Place. Just like we said earlier, uh, we can celebrate being in America. We can celebrate the good things we have here, even while recognizing the tension of the things that are broken, because we know one day a better place is coming. We can be a faithful presence in this place here and now, but we remember Jesus is preparing a much better place for us. 
Verse 7, I will bless the Lord who counsels me. Even at night when my thoughts trouble me, I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. That is power right there. Like nothing else can mess with me. Nothing else can shake me. I am in a firm foundation. I am here in his presence, and that's where I have power. Therefore, verse 9, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. This is what I want us to see, that, that the power of God at work in our lives and on display to the community around us as we're faithful here in this place he's put us in invites people into the beautiful presence of God. And in the presence of God, this is what makes it all worth it. There's joy. There's the fullness of satisfaction. All the things that we're each longing for, this is where it's found. My heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow, that's the grave, by the way. That's a weird word, I just realized. Sheol. It's the grave. Death. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me in your presence as abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Did you hear that? In your presence, God. Abundant joy. Abundant joy in his presence. Be real with yourself for a second in your head. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or say anything out loud. How many other things just this morning did you look to to find joy? Abundant joy, eternal pleasures in the presence of God. Two other people uh, that I know of have preached on Psalm 16 before. I'm sure it's been a lot more than that. But two more I want to talk about right now. In Acts 2, there's a guy named Peter. Peter was one of the apostles of Jesus, one of his first 12 disciples who knew Jesus intimately, who walked with him for three years, day in and day out, lived with him, ate with him, lived life with him. He was also the guy who denied knowing Jesus when Jesus was being arrested and taken to his death out of fear. Denying the, the power that he had seen Jesus have for three years because he was afraid. He needed to protect himself with his strength, right? And yet, he got to see Jesus rise from the grave. He got to see him overcome death in the power of God. He got to see him show up again and have conversations with him face to face. And in Acts 2, after the Spirit of God, the presence of God comes and fills those people, he opens up, he comes out of his hiding, out of his fear, and he just starts telling people about the power of Jesus that he had seen in that place because the presence of God was with him. And he references Psalm 16. And he says, you know, David, King David, he wrote this. He says... You will not abandon me to Sheol, to the grave. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. And he wasn't talking about himself. This is what Peter says. He goes, Jesus, or I'm sorry, David, King David, he died. He's in the tomb. He is in Sheol. He went to the grave. His body has decayed. But David was writing about one who would come later, a better king where the full presence of God dwelled within. The full power of God was at work. And he left his place in heaven to come to this place, this dirty, broken place, and invested in it to bring redemption to it. And his body, 
though it went into the tomb, was not abandoned in Sheol, he rose again. The power of God filling up his lungs and that very body walking out of the tomb. This is what, what Peter referenced to share with people. Like, hey, look, there is a bigger power at work in this world, and there is a better presence to be found in divine joy. Acts 13, another man named Paul references the exact same spot in this psalm. Paul, who was a man named Saul, who was seeing all these people run around telling people about Jesus, and it was just flipping their whole society upside down. And in his position of power, as a Jew, a prominent Jewish man in authority, it was threatening his very power, his place in society. And so what did he do? He went around persecuting them, threatening to take their lives, imprisoning them. And then he has this powerful experience meeting Jesus. Jesus just shows up. And talk about like all the other distractions and things just falling away when you see something way more captivating and powerful. It transforms who he is. Jesus gives him a new name. And he invites him. He invites him into his presence to go out with his power to be a part of God's mission. So in Acts 13, Paul references this exact same psalm when he says, you will not allow your faithful one to see decay. He was talking about Jesus. And Paul knows because he says, I saw him after the grave. He revealed himself to me. This is the thing that needs to captivate us. That all the other cares of the world, that all the other grabs for power that we have, that all the other places we're desiring to be in, that all the other things we want to sit in the presence of, that all just falls away because we see the glory of God. Full display of power found in Jesus. Coming down into this place on our behalf and inviting us into his presence and giving us his very own spirit to fill so that his presence would be here among us. So that we could say with the psalmist, you reveal the path of life to me in verse 11. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. So that's my prayer for this group of people. That we would be found in the presence of God. We would see his power at work in our own lives, but we would also display it to the world around us. That we would care about the place he's put us in. We would be working to cultivate it and make it a better place. Pointing to one day when Jesus returns has prepared an even better place for us. Would you guys join us in that work? Not for my sake, not for your sake, not for the name of Missio's sake, for Christ's sake. Amen? Pray with me.